I'm hamming for the camera. <laughs> you appear to be at a really uncomfortable angle right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get my... Um... Are, you, are you pretending this computer screen's your TV screen? <laughs> yeah, I, I look at everything sideways these days. Um, well, since you're all set up, do you want to welcome our listeners? Sure, folks. I want to welcome you back to another episode of Maybe <laughs> Next Time. I am your host, William Blue, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Net Nation! This country's on fire! <laughs> we are back, as we are each and every unrelenting week, to talk about one of the, if not the most captivating teams in the NBA, your... Brooklyn Nets. Simon, how does it feel to be at the absolute epicenter of the NBA right now? <laughs> I, uh, it feels good. It feels good in the center. <laughs> We're the eye of the storm right now. That's right. That's right. Uh, yes, with the hiring of Steve Nash, with the random, uh, you know, podcasts that KD decides to do, <laughs> and with the uh, ever-captivating Kyrie Irving, it seems like the Nets, in spite of being completely out of the ongoing NBA playoffs, are stealing headline after headline on <laughs> national podcasts and media sites across this fine country. <laughs> yeah, as it should be. Uh, no doubt that will be reflected in our in our listenership numbers this week oh, and, and oh yeah. others. We're getting into double digits today. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, folks. We get lots of them. Bud uh, Long, give us your your uh, beers. Give us your beers. Bud Lime. Yes, Bud Lime. If you or someone you love works at, near, or around a Bud Light Lime factory, <laughs> maybe collect some of the residue that drains away from the place and send it <laughs> to your friends at Maybe Next Time on Twitter, Gmail, Instagram, Facebook. We're still there. Yeah, get in touch. Send us your residue. Simon. <laughs> <laughs> send us the Bud Light Lime factory runoff if, you, if you've got any. Uh, you know you're, you're going to let it run off. Which which of which of the social platforms that we're on are you mo most engaged with, would you say? Twitter. Although I would say that I'm not very engaged on Twitter either. I probably haven't tweeted in weeks, but I I am much more on Twitter than the other platforms. I'm not on Instagram at all. Uh, well, technically you are. You have an account. Oh, yes, that's true, right. I always forget about that thing. <laughs> uh, and what do you do on Facebook these days? Because I think as much as people who listen to this show want to hear about the Nets, they'd also like to hear your take on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook? Um, I got a nice message from Sam Swift um, the other day from on Facebook. But mo mostly, 
it's th- things like that keep me coming back every so often. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll log in, but um, I haven't like written anything on Facebook or I mean, other than messaging back, Sam, you know, like there's a, a very sporadic use of that platform, but mostly it just sort of exists. There's always like <laughs> like 10,000 notifications when I get on, which is initially very exciting. And then it's like, oh, like this person I don't know did a had a photo posted or something <laughs> right um i i so I, I was trying to think of a funny example of someone so 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 fringe in our like okay. miguel but i couldn't remember his last name do you know who i'm talking about gelly gelly <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't remember his last name i don't know if i ever knew it yeah, I definitely knew it. I think I went to elementary, middle, and high school with the guy. So it's a, wow. it's pretty bad Brain that I don't I'm know. sure about Gilly. <laughs> fringe is in the inner circle. <laughs> right, you're fringe. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for indulging us in our social media breakdown, listeners. We will <laughs> now take you to a beloved corner of this podcast it's called Katie's Corner. Katie's Corner. Simon, Kevin Durant, and his omnipresent uh, agent, handler, BFF, <laughs> Rich Kleiman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does it a, just a, a shocking number of interviews with his... with. Rich Kleiman. Well, I don't know what what the official title of Rich Kleiman is, but uh, he does a lot of interviews with Rich Kleiman, old KD. And they went ahead and they hopped on the old J.J. Reddick pod. Um, I think technically what they did was a collab between J.J. Reddick's actually popular podcast and then Rich Kleiman's uh, boardroom podcast. Right. Which is apparently now up and running on Bleacher Report. Um, now, <laughs> I'm about to slander Bleacher Report, but I think it's safe to say if BR reached out to you or me about adding us to their platform, we would jump on that in in a second. Yes, absolutely. Give us your runoff. Right. That said, it's not the most esteemed of uh, sports media empires. No. At the mo, but who knows if they keep picking up podcasts like that, maybe maybe they'll they'll <laughs> give the old athletic a run for their money. Anyway, this appearance on the podcast, Simon, has re-sparked a lot of Nick's resentment over the last few days. Yeah. So. Knicks fans are up in arms. Nets Daily is up in arms about <laughs> Knicks fans being up in arms. Right. People are saying KD doesn't have what it takes to be the king of New York. And KD says, I don't want to be the king of New York. Instead, what he wants, and I'm going to read a rather long quote here, Simon. Okay. KD says, I just want to play ball and go to the crib and chill. So I felt like that's what Brooklyn embodied. And I wanted to live in New York. And I felt like Brooklyn is everything I'm about. Chill, on the low, all black everything. We're quiet. Just focus on basketball. There's no show when you come to our games. No Madison Square, no Mecca, all of that shit. We're just going to hoop and build something new 
in Brooklyn. Simon, how do you feel about Kevin Durant's diagnosis of Brooklyn? Are we a, are we a chill, low key, no show type of place? I did think it was very funny that he said, "There's no show when you come to our games." <laughs> yeah, it's true. Barely anybody does go to those games. Fewer than any other team in the NBA, basically, it's come to quiet. these games. Yes, it's a quiet, almost somber affair. Now, that is sure to change next year when he and Kyrie are playing. Knock on wood that they're playing. I do think the games are going to be packed. They're going to be much, much, much better attended, um, both by actual paying fans and by the media. Um, there would be games. We were sat in the block next to the media section, and they couldn't even fill up their bottom bowl media seats many nights. Um, and that was this was a good this year. We had those superstars, and we could barely do it. They just weren't weren't playing enough to actually come. Next year, I do believe, uh, barring barring injuries, that. It will be a hot, hot ticket. Because in any way the season breaks down, if we're really good, people are going to be all about us. If if um, if things go completely off the rails, that's going to be a pretty massive story. So I think that I think that next year is going to change. But anyway, Katie's diagnosis of the Nets accurate, inaccurate, chill. Yeah. Do you think he and Brooklyn are chill? Who's more chill, Brooklyn or him? <laughs> I think he okay. Here's the thing. To, to me, William, this this uh, this fairly innocuous to me quote has has uh, generated the worst in both Knicks and Nets fans. Um, so I agree with the di- I, the diagnosis. It's very chill. There's it's a very quiet arena. It's very poorly attended. As we've talked about, it, it, the maybe the largest contingent besides the other team's fans. That's always number one. Um, but number two is confused foreigners um, who have no idea what's going on. They don't know where they're supposed to sit. They don't know what what's happening. Um, they don't, you know, they're just very befuddled. But uh, they just want to pay a hundred dollars less for tickets than Madison Square Garden. Exactly, exactly, and and yes. Um, so. That's completely fair and true, and if you're you are like Kevin Durant uh, professes to be, you know, I mean, this is not the first time that he's. I mean, his sort of his mo is like just focus on basketball. All of these media narratives are dumb. All of these, you know, sort of circusy things are bad. Um, you know, uh, then then yeah, Brooklyn is good, and we should just the Nets just need to accept like yes, we're not a popular team. We don't have hardly any fans. We don't have any history other than like the last like eight years or something. Um, we're just not – like that is just reality. You have to sort of like live with it. You can embrace some of the positives uh, of, of that um, and just you know hope like you said that things change uh, You know, because you do want to have some fans. But um, – but the thing about the and then like the Knicks thing saying that like he's saying that he doesn't want the pressure. I don't really think that that's at least what he's saying. Maybe that's what he, is true, but you can't really get what he's saying. I don't think you can. You have to twist his words to 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 get that he doesn't want the pressure of being the number one guy in in New York. Because I think what he's sort of saying, what he's saying is like I don't want the circus of like James Dolan and the Knicks and the media circus of like, oh, I like Kevin Durant is this. And, you know, 
now there's a there's a firestorm because because you know whatever James Dolan has demanded this thing happen or the coach is fired or whatever like there's always some shit going on with the Knicks, um, and I don't think he really wanted any part of that, um, and then yeah and and so like Knicks fans making it all about them is is also pretty silly I think. Totally agree. Are we? <laughs> is there a system <laughs> overload? <laughs> no, there's there's not a system overload. I wish people could have seen that. That was a very alarming. <laughs> Stare uh, off. Been weird, folks, but the look on William's face was far weirder. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I. I don't know how believable claims are that like he never considered playing for the Knicks, which Mm -hmm. is a thing that constantly gets brought up and that he keeps repeating. And then net Staley gets really like passionate. See, he never even considered you. That's how awful you are. Like clearly they considered it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I mean, if they were going to consider free agency, that was like one of the very few teams that had, cap space to bring him and another max player to the team. Right. Um, so it was certainly under consideration, but yeah, I just don't, I don't think either side is really going to going to find satisfaction in it. Like if your hope as a Nets fan is that Knicks fans suddenly reach this moment of enlightenment that like, he chose the Nets and, and therefore that says something better about like what the Nets presented than the Knicks, then you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. That's just not going to happen. You know, like there's not going to be this mass conversion where all Knicks fans suddenly realize that the Nets possess something, uh, that was desirable for a couple superstars to come to that their organization didn't. And then from the Knicks side, you're never going to, you know, like getting in this debate, you're never going to be able to like definitively prove that like he's a coward because he couldn't, he couldn't handle it at the garden. So it's just this sort of endless cycle of uh, sort of deranged fan bases quibbling over um, ultimately unresolvable issues. Yes. One, one last thing William will say that, that, this, that this inevitably brings up is uh, net incomes tortured stats to try to show that like the Nets uh, attendance is actually really similar to the Knicks. Oh, um, I, I didn't see that. Yeah, he always, because he's like, well, yes, well, like I'm making up these numbers, but it's something like, you know, the Nets ranked 28th or something in attendance and the Knicks were like, I don't know. 15th or something and usually are like much better obviously but let's just say those numbers are right it doesn't matter anyway the point is the nets have terrible attendance and it be good attendance. but then he's like but in terms of percentage of arena seats filled it's 19 and 18 they're very similar right but no one thinks about it in that way at all that's a that's a pretty meaningless stat because you should be able if you have fewer seats you should be able to fill those seats every night like no one is like Fenway Park is not a well attended uh, like um, uh, stadium because 
they don't have as many seats as Yankee Stadium. No one thinks everyone's like, wow, what an you know, they're an insanely popular team. They sell out every game. They have a small stadium. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, he's cooking the books old net income. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, other big news from the week. Let's take let's let's leave the corner. It's been fun as always. Surely there'll be yeah. more more to come on that front. Yeah. Uh, Steve Nash does his first press conference. He's willing, he's an open book. He'll talk about just about anything. So I'm going to take a couple, couple interesting points I read about from his press conference that Alex Schiffer, the athletics, Alex Schiffer, friend of the podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, wrote up in his, his, sort of summary of that press conference. And so the first thing, Simon, is Nash's silence on the roster, okay, beyond KD and Kyrie. So this is the quote. Nash declined to elaborate on players such as Levert, Allen, or Spencer Dinwiddie. Many around the NBA expect the Nets to trade for a third star this offseason, and Nash may not have wanted to comment on a player he might never coach, which is fair. But given how many players in the current roster that Nash has played with, uh, against or with, it's noticeable that he mentioned only Durant and Irving. Is that a big deal, Simon? Um, well, I don't know. I... I... Look, I think every podcast I listen to, which and I get all of them from you, so I know you listen to them as well. Set whenever they're talking with the Nets, they say they expect the Nets to be moving, doing something this off season, to be active in, in terms of trades. So, I certainly expect some level of of trades happening. Like I think at least one of those three people, Spencer, Jarrett. And uh, Karis will be gone by the beginning of, of next year. That said, um, I know that it, I think I think these may have been in subsequent interviews, but I know like Steve Nash had said, I'm assuming that, you know, we're basically working with this core. Um, hard to know exactly what he means by core, that he had coffee with Joe Harris um, and expressed an, an interest in in um, signing him. And he's talked about Karis LeVert being like, oh, you can do a lot of things with him. You could have him start. You could have him come off the bench as a Ginobili. Right. Sixth man of the year. Right. You deserve credit for uh, for um, um, using as an example of a way we could use LeVert if we end up not trading him. Um, so there's been a little bit of talk of some of these other uh, players. Also, um, just really quickly. Um, on, in that KD interview, the JJ Redick uh, podcast, he also said nice things about Levert. Said he was um, somebody that you could he could lead the team in scoring on any given night, could lead the team in assists. You could dump it down low in the post to him to exploit a mismatch. Um, anyway, so there, there's still I I am sort of I continue to think that Levert actually may not be traded at least before the end of the year. He may be traded at the deadline, but I, I continue to think that he will be safe. I think the other two, Spencer and Jarrett, are a little bit more likely to be traded, but um, I could be wrong. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I like I like that you brought up the Kevin Durant quote about him, uh, that he could be the leading scorer any night, the leading assist getter, or he you could go to him in the post. One thing he doesn't mention is he, you could, and he can, you know, make it rain from three. 
<laughs> which is a pretty important skill for a wing today. And also he mentioned he had a similar quote about Levert play Levert's play in the bubble yeah. where he like deliberately didn't it, it said like, yeah, and he, he doesn't have to shoot from three cause he can get buckets, you know, driving and doing this and doing that. So I'm not sure. I think it, it I mean, you know, it's better that he's saying nice things about him, but, <laughs> but could he be, but could he be damning with faint praise here? Ooh. Ow. A spicy take, spicy take. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think um, it really depends. It really depends what you're reading. And if you're reading anything written by someone who covers the Nets, uh, it makes it sound as if Karis LeVert is going to be here next year. If you listen to literally anything else, uh, yeah. then it makes it sound like Karis LeVert is probably our most attractive trade piece, and therefore we're likely going to trade him. Yeah, and I, to, to, to sort of go against my point that I, or my, my argument that I just made, I do think something that a while ago was said on uh, the Dunked On podcast that you sent me, this was months ago, but they, they were talking about Levert and they were saying like they should trade Levert and they should do it quickly before this new iteration of the Nets co- comes in and it, it's, it becomes clear they think it'll, it'll become – they think it will become clear that like his value is really you have to like feed him the ball constantly and clear that he can really be like a two or a three um, a number two or a three um, on the pecking order. Right. I think basically what what's going to happen if they don't if they don't trade him this offseason is that he is going to go from someone who a team could realistically convince themselves is uh say like their number two option right in the starting lineup and could be like a really threatening starting two guard let's say um and he's going to go from that to the ceiling of um a ceiling of oh my god how come i can't remember his name at the moment uh lemon pepper Lou oh. Williams, Lou Williams. Yeah. Yes, a ceiling of like a, a dynamite, electric, instant offense guy off the bench, six man of the year type type player. Um, because I think I think as I've as I've said and as as what you just mentioned alluded to that he would be best in that role because he needs the ball in his hand on the Nets team. And he just won't have the ball in his hand if, if uh, KD and Kyrie are on the court. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think now is the time to cash in on him. I think his stock will never, ever, ever be higher than it is right now. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know how, how high it is. You know, It's certainly not like I don't think people are thinking – he can be the best player on a team. No, I, I, I don't think that. And I, I think, I think we've talked about this, but I, I think there's probably really wide variations, depending on what team executive you talk to. Um, the other thing Nash said, and I'm wondering if this is just something that every coach has to say, but he said he wants to focus on defense. Mm. So he said, I think one of the most important things is to start on the defensive end. Be strong in defensive transition and in the half court. 
Um, the skill is profound on our roster, and we want to put them in a position where they can express themselves and in a way where they can be very difficult to cover, make teams make a lot of decisions, potentially a lot of mistakes, and make them difficult to guard. That's still a work in progress. Anyway, the point is he wants to focus on defense. We have lamented or maybe a better way of saying it is we have expressed deep concern about the defensive makeup of this team next year. And to say that that's going to be the emphasis uh, seems a little strange at the moment because like maybe the emphasis, if you're, you're thinking is we already have, the offense, like the offense is just going to basically run itself. You have Ky- Kyrie and Kevin Durant. You don't even have to worry about that. And so the focus has to be on making them play defense or something. But, I mean, defense is is a problem for this team. Yeah. Um, and it was historically a big problem for Steve Nash as a player. Um, when Raja Bell uh, was signed by the Nets, he was basically signed because he was going to need to guard two people every night. By the um, Suns. What? By the Suns. By the Suns, yes. Sorry, yes. Um, so he was con- like, yeah. Um, so I think that. Are you are you been like a a wind corridor? Oh yes. Let me uh, let me shut the window, folks. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe you g- give your take. <laughs> I'll close the window. Close the window. Yeah. It's, sorry. It's just uh, it's coming across pretty <laughs> pretty seriously in the audio, oh, unfortunately. But I would say regarding Nets defense next season, it is. For me, the thing I'm most interested to see uh, to see how Marks builds out this roster um, in terms of defense, because that is obviously going to be key. I think that uh, these playoffs really have been evidence that of of how important defense still is, especially in the playoffs. Um, a team like really solid defensive team like the Lakers, for instance, is able to take these offensive behemoths in Portland and the Rockets, teams who basically exist solely because they can score like 130 points a game. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when you're in the playoffs and you can plan for it and you can scheme, scheme defensively against them, then you can hold these teams to under 100 points and they just have no, you know, their their defense can't do the same to the other, to you. Um and they can they can make life miserable. Um so yeah, I think we we're going to have no problem scoring in the regular season for sure. Um but defense is obviously going to be a concern. So yeah, do you think that's going to be a particular emphasis for Shawnee Boy uh, in the off season, getting some defensive I- guys in here? Yeah, I mean, I really, really hope so. And and um, either I, if we go for a third star, if we decide to not do that, um, either way, we need to build out defense. I would say yes. It was particularly wing defense. Um, we could definitely do for some uh, guard defense as well, perimeter defense overall. But yes, defense and and like. 
and again, I know I say this all the time, but but particularly I would love to have like tough defenders who are we're not just skilled at, at defense, but are kind of in the Marcus Smart mold where like they are feisty, they are tough, they are tenacious, that kind of of defender. Um, so I very very much hope so, and I also would say that I hope that in building out um, Steve Nash's staff that they're that they get some some kind of defensive minded guy because for all of Steve Nash's brilliance on the offensive end, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he is very uh, skilled at, at scheming defensively and just didn't have the like lateral movement. Like his lateral movement was about as good as yours or mine. Take um, it easy. <laughs> but, uh, so he was definitely physically limited on defense, but it may also just be something that like he's just not as attuned to. And yeah, you're gonna want somebody who who's able to scheme on that. Um, question. Yeah. I think I had a question. <laughs> oh yes, you uh, you said you you're. you're you're hoping that they bring in some Steve Nash brings in some defensive minded people. Um, have you heard the rumors of other people the Nets are trying to hire on as assistants? I know people who listen to this podcast are interested in our uh, deep understanding and love of assistant coaches. <laughs> yes, that's the Tiago the Tiago splitter types. <laughs> Um, so I know that we're keeping, obviously we're keeping Jock Vaughn as a coach. We're yeah. keeping Adam Harrington, who was my dark horse sleeper coach candidate. Right. Um, but I've also now heard that Phil Handy mm-hmm. is a, is a candidate. He is, uh, now with the Lakers, but has worked with Kyrie. Apparently they have a good relationship. I think he's more of an offensive guy. Mm. And then... There was another name mentioned recently. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Sorry. I had heard the handy thing, which yeah. I think would be great because I think it might help Kyrie feel like he's, you know, he's still being catered to. Good, good, good. Very necessary. Um, yeah, I forget. I, I think it was someone uh, from the Warriors mm-hmm. who Kevin Durant had a uh, relationship with. Got it. I don't know. This was a scoop B uh, scoop. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Someone who's coming up more and more on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Simon. We're going to move to a segment named in your honor. It's called Simon Sends Me a Tweet. Oh, I don't even remember. I, and I, I, <laughs> I almost never remember when I do this. Uh, well, this wasn't technically a tweet. It was just a Nets Daily article, but... Oh, the right. headline was, is Wilson Chandler heading to China? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, is he? I guess so. Um, <laughs> the article, as it's, um, you know, uh, not, not definitive um, headline would have you uh, believe, did not totally know for sure. Um, and as as you know, William, um, a lot of reporting on like international basketball is like often um, inaccurate. I would say, mm-hmm. uh, and 
so they're basically piecing together. Mostly it comes from like an Instagram conversation between Stefan Marbury and Wilson Chandler. Stefan Marbury is basically like the Michael Jordan of, of, of Chinese basketball right now. Um, I think he makes millions of dollars a year. Um, who? Stefan Marbury. Oh, still? Yeah. I mean, they don't, yes. I, I, I think if you're willing to live in China and, um, yeah, basically if you're willing to live in China, you can make millions of dollars and be either quite old like Stefan Marbury or not very, ever very good like Andre Blatch. And still make a good amount of money. <laughs> Andre Blatch was incredible. Yes. Well, anyway. <laughs> um, so it seems like Wilson Chandler could be a Zhejiang Guangxia lion next year. Um, I'm not trying to offensively read that. I, I just don't know how to pronounce it. Um that, that was your honest best. Uh, yes, that really was, folks. Um, but, um, yes, and if so, and it does seem like it, Wilson Chandler seems to be saying that on, on Instagram, and there's enough scuttlebutt to indicate that, that he is heading to China. So preemptively doing that before, like, free agency even starts in the U.S. Um, uh, are you at all surprised that he wasn't didn't even try to yes, I, stick I, in the league? Yes, I think Wilson Chandler is, like, more interesting than we really ever got to know. Um, he barely played for the Nets. He played, like, 30-some games for the Nets. He had a, a um, drug suspension at the beginning of the year and then law, and then didn't play in the bubble. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a shame. I know it's not hurting me nearly as much as it hurts you, but... No, he's been my ride or die all season long, as you know. Yeah. So it's been a it's been a good ride. I <laughs> remember him much more for, let's see, his suspension. Uh, you telling me that he was a leftist, and saying that I liked him a lot more I, re- I remember him more for those things than I do for anything I saw him do in a <laughs> Nets uniform on a basketball court. Yeah. Yep. But um for those things I I hope I'll always remember the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um he was perfectly fine. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think I don't know. Feels like he could have gotten another gig in the NBA. Yes, I I, t- I totally agree. I mean, it, again, like at least giving it a shot. I I this is total this is just total guess, but I suspect that he pretty much genuinely is fed up with um the US, which is a completely fair um feeling. Uh and is just like, you know what? I'll just go somewhere else. Like things could get even worse. Right. And I'll go somewhere else. And I, I think while he could get a, a gig in the NBA, it would not surprise me if he's one of those players that could, de- who could make more, um, overseas. Yeah. And he was making quite a lot. I feel like in, Oh no, he was, he was making 2,500. I mean, yeah, he in, was an a- insane amount, but not, not in basketball terms. Not a lot. 
Right. Um, all right. Simon, unless you have anything else you want to discuss, should we go to our theme? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We have a theme this week concocted by the man across the Skype from me right now. <laughs> Simon, would you like to introduce your theme for us? Sure. The theme is natural disaster. Um, <laughs> comparing uh, Nets players uh, to various natural disasters. Now, these can be, as I said in the email to you, William, these can be a like broad category of disaster, like a forest fire, or they can be a specific um disaster like hurricane katrina or or you know something like that right and why why is this theme particularly sensitive to the moment we're in right now oh uh thank you for asking so folks if you um live on the west coast you know that you're breathing the worst air in the world because of um fires that are raging through at least three states um, have killed, um, you know, I'd dozens? say a couple dozen. Yeah, and, and certainly left dozens of people missing. Hundreds of thousands have evacuated, or at least tens of thousands have evacuated. Um, and the skies have turned uh, anywhere from orange to red. Yeah, it's pretty scary. It is very scary. And so what we're going to do with the very real fear that this engenders in people is have <laughs> a hilarious themed segment in which yeah. we compare Nets players to natural disasters. Oh, yes. All right, Simon, I'll go, I'll go first with my first one, all right? Okay. Uh, Joe Harris is a flood. Ooh. You want to know Why? Yeah. Or are you cool with me just saying he's a flood? Uh, I would like to know why, William. I would demand to know why. <laughs> okay. Then I'll go on. I couldn't tell there for a minute. <laughs> uh, Joe Harris is a flood, Simon, because his shot is so wet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel gross after hearing that, but very good. Very good. That's a good one. Okay, go for go. You go next. Okay, I am going to say that Kyrie Irving is a forest fire on a windy day, um, because Kyrie Irving, you can think you have him, you know, contained. You're making progress. You're getting him like sixty percent contained. Firefighters are battling the blaze effectively, and then the winds shift, and then bang, totally uncontained. It's now threatening thousands of people's lives. They've got to have an emergency evac because, like, this this thing has totally shifted. You don't really know why other than that the winds have, have pushed it this way. Uh, it's totally unpredictable, and it can be uh, devastating. Wow. Well, for me, Kyrie Irving, Simon. Yeah. Is a squall. Ooh, okay. Would you like to know why on this one? <laughs> yes, I continue to want to uh, know. Knock, what? knock. <laughs> Orange. <laughs> Orange, you glad I'm going to tell you why he's a squall? Yes, I banana am. <laughs> All right. Kyrie Irving's a squall because I'm not 100% certain what exactly a squall <laughs> is. 
much. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, I know it's a storm. I think it's a storm. Uh-huh. But I'm not confident I could give you many more details than that on a squall. And to me, Kyrie is like that. He's a mystery. I I can't I never understand why he does the things he does, says the things he says. You know, he's he's just a, an enigmatic guy. Kind of yeah. like uh kind of like whatever the hell a squall is. Right. I don't know what a squall it's the is. Most, it's the most enigmatic of natural disasters <laughs> in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. You don't hear much about squalls. No, it is the uh, the silent natural disaster majority. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so my next one is a Lance Thomas as a <laughs> mild as a mild earthquake. As a because, mild earthquake. Okay. Um, what are I, we talking I, on the Richter scale? Like a like a point point seven. Right. I don't really know how the Richter scale works, but but yes, I I assume that's a low one. Uh, um, me too. Me I'm, too. I'm, I have no clue. The Richter right. scale is is not my my bag. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um. So I think, I think um. I I I would describe him this way: as Do you remember that earthquake? This was many years ago, but it was it hit it hit. Uh, in quotes, New York. Um, but it was basically like you would kind of think like your chair had moved a little and then it was done. Do you remember that when people were like, oh, like for like a couple seconds, there was like a little bit of a jolt. And then people were like tweeting about it, talking about it. But it didn't have any impact. It was I like don't really small. remember it. Even oh, happening. Okay. yeah. Well, um, anyway, it happened, I promise. Uh, and. But that's sort of how Lance Thomas was. It was like, oh, was Lance Thomas in the game? I, I don't know. I guess. Okay. Oh, there he is. He missed a, missed a three. There it is. But, like, he basically had zero impact uh, on any I – mean, I don't know that I've ever seen a player have less impact. Totally. I uh, I mean, when you said it, I, I was it was like <laughs> being reminded of, uh, you know, something you'd done 24 years ago. And <laughs> – <laughs> Hadn't thought about since. Right. Um, all right. Well, my final one, Simon. DeAndre Jordan isn't a tornado. Mm. He's a tornado chaser. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay. He's like the Bill Pullman in Twister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. No, you're supposed to ask me why. Oh, why? <laughs> because, Simon, he's always following people who have an impact, Ooh. but he himself isn't having any impact on anything. Oh, William, they, you served him. <laughs> that is Take that, DJ. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, my last one is short and sweet. It is... Uh, Torian Prince is a blizzard because uh, it his shot from three went ice cold all of a sudden. <laughs> Where did that go? You were shooting 39% for your career. What? Can I ask you what some other natural disasters you were considering doing? Um, well, of course, hurricane. Sure. Uh, but I couldn't, you know, 
think of anything in my typhoon hours was one it. I wanted to try to use, but couldn't think of anything. What what was sorry? typhoon? Typhoon. Yeah. Mm. Um. Uh, lightning storm. Y- yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Mm, hail. Hailstorm. Hailstorm. Sure. Hailstorm. Uh, Volcanic eruption. Oh, wow. Yeah, we could have uh, have some lava in this episode. Right. Who's a fiery-tempered net? Uh, Kitty Atkinson? Right. That's the only one I could... Right. That's the only one I could think of. Because Kyrie... Obviously gets like upset, but it's kind of in a, I don't know, it's not, I don't know that he's like fire. He's more prickly than fiery. Yeah. Jared Allen can get a little fiery, like with Bam out of Bayou. Yeah. But that's kind of the only person, right? Yeah. There's like he's something a trigger. about him. He's a trigger for him, for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm pretty much out of uh, yeah. a natural disasters. I, I just don't know that many. I, maybe there aren't that many other ones. Yeah. I'm sure like as the, as the 21st century continues to unfold, we'll, we'll become more like, like Eskimos and, and they're like 250 words for snow. We'll right. just begin experiencing so many different iterations of natural disasters that we'll have like this ever expanding vocabulary of <laughs> descriptive right. terms for the horrible things that we are experiencing for the first time in humanity's <laughs> history. Right. Which right. is a pleasant note to end this episode on and further request that you give this podcast five and count them one, two, three, four, five stars. Yes. That's a rating that you would give it wherever you, you listen to this podcast. Simon, we didn't get any mailbags this week. Hmm. Well, I wish I could blame us for that, but I gotta say it's our listeners' fault. No, um, please, it's it's not totally understandable. Everyone has things to do in this uh, busy, mixed up, terrible world we live in. But uh, please, um, if you can find the time, we would love your thoughts, comments, questions, um, experiences. Your favorite? Um, Ooh, experiences. Uh, yes, if you have experiences, text them at us, tweet yes. them at us. Email us. 505. No. uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) um, No, but just just send them in an email. uh, Maybe next time at gmail.com or hit us up on our social media channels at maybe next time Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. um, And, uh, yeah, we'd we'd very much love to hear from you. Yeah. Just include the subject line, some of my experiences. (laughs) And then you could pick the layout if you want to do separate paragraphs, if you want to do bullet points, however you want to share some of your experiences with us. (laughs) We'd love... Of your experiences would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, All right. Well... 
We will be back next week as we are each and every unrelenting week. And we thank you very, 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 very much for joining us this week. And we'll go ahead and see you next time. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording of a favorite song. So while she lay sleeping I read the paper in bed and in the personal columns there was this letter I read if you like pina colada